What's up, everybody? It's Pat James here with another episode of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. I have to apologize to you guys and to John Kelly, who was my guest on this podcast. Something happened with the recording. Um, Zoom, it still says processing in the Zoom cloud recording studio almost three days later. So we sat down for 45 minutes, talked UFC, talked strategy, talked some pizza. It was a really cool podcast, um, but... For some reason, it never came out of processing. I mean, it's Zoom's fault. I'm sure they're bombarded with tons of um, data now that everybody's virtual. But um, we're going to try to get together again for future UFC cards. But what we did was he recorded a 15-minute clip, basically summarizing everything that we talked about in our 45-minute podcast that was supposed to hit the airwaves. Um, So hopefully you enjoy it. Also, in the description for this episode... There is, you know, some links for you guys to click on to help me out, um, referral links to different best ball sites and things like that. Um, you know, the podcast is free, so if you enjoy what I am doing here, definitely click on those. And if you're going to sign up for a DFS site or a best ball site and you want to sign up through my link and help me out, that would be greatly appreciated. Enjoy the show, and I hope you win some money on this UFC 249 card this weekend. What is going on, everyone? John Kelly here with FightNumbers.com, making a guest appearance on the Ride In DFS podcast with Pat James. Um, Pat's unfortunately not with us today, but he did ask me if I could give like a five to ten minute uh, breakdown, sort of go over the basics of MMA DFS and then how how I use uh, my strategy and hopefully provide some value to you guys so that you could be profitable uh, moving forward, not just for UFC 249, but in, in the future if you decide to continue playing MMA DFS. What's really exciting about this week in particular is that DraftKings has loaded up the most amount of money into the contest that they've ever done in the MMA product. So there's a huge $20 entry, $200,000 in first place with actually a decent payout structure. Structure that's a big one. They have a 555 with 100k to first, there's a 153 max, 7500 to first. So there's just pretty much up and down the spectrum. Whatever type of contest you prefer, there's a good four dollar 20 max. Uh, I forget the top prize in that, I want to say 20 grand. Uh, but there's so many good contests. So basically, what I want to talk to you guys about here, just take a few minutes and talk the basics in the beginning and then sort of talk my process and strategy and then how we can kind of use that for this card and moving forward and hopefully pat will have me back um, in the future to discuss one of the other cards so basically when you talk about DraftKings, if you've never played before so we'll just start from square one if you've never played before the first thing you need to do is know how DraftKings. Um, how, how the scoring is in MMA. How do you accumulate points? Because a lot of people, you don't just get points for winning, uh, believe it or not. There's a lot of other stuff that goes into it as well. And we can talk about that for a few minutes because I do think it's important if you're brand new to MMA DFS is knowing how your guys can score you points. So the first thing is that significant strikes landed. So that's a track by 
a stat tracked by the UFC. So they're the ones that determine fight numbers is the ones that determine how many significant strikes are landed in each round. For every significant strike landed, you get half of a DraftKings point. So every two strikes, you get one DraftKings point. Aside from that, you get five points. If your fighter completes a, a takedown, you get three points. If they advance position on the mat, you get five points for a reversal on the mat or a sweep. You get 10 points for a knockdown. So obviously the knockdown is the most valuable out of those. So we're always hoping that our guy gets credited with the knockdown. But aside from just the individual scoring, you get the win bonuses. And this is very important because when you talk about win bonuses, you know, um, on a three round fight or a five round decision fight, you're getting 30 points as a win bonus if your guy wins. Now that sounds nice, but really it's not that great because if you get a third round finish, that's 45 points. If you get a second round finish, that's 70 point bonus. And if you get a first round finish, that's a 90 point bonus. So obviously we're always looking for, well, we're hoping to get a guy that can finish in the first round and accumulate points in in those other categories that we talked about. So basically right off the bat, you know that you want to target fights that you think will end inside the distance. And all that means is that it'll somebody's going to either get knocked out or get submitted. It means it's not going to end a decision. So those are always generally going to be the higher scoring fights in terms of drafting. So that's very important when you talk about scoring. Um, So I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, And basically, uh, a few of the other questions that Pat had for me was, uh, he wanted to talk roster construction strategy. So basically my strategy, and it's going to sound kind of basic, but you'd be surprised how many people aren't actually using it when in terms of, of properly correlating your lineups in MMA DFS. And basically what I do, uh, based on all the research and all the data that's out there, I try to figure out what my core of fighters is. And that could be, you know, two guys to four guys. If you're that confident, I usually identify three fighters on each card that I'm relatively confident in. And basically, I'm just, I want every type of combination mixed around that core. So basically, I'm, I'm figuring out who I'm the most confident in, but also identifying which fights that I think will score highly, even if I might not be confident on which side wins. And why that's important is because MMA DFS is such a high variance sport that you could have the the most confidence in one of the best fighters ever, and he could still get knocked out by like a six to one underdog. Like that's how high variance MMA could be at times. You know, when you're talking about two people that are trying to take each other's head off, legitimately anything could happen. So what I try to do is is find the guys that I'm most confident in, and then f- find the fights that I think will score well and then target both sides of those fights. So for example, the Francis Nagano Jarzino Rosenstrike fight this weekend, I think that's going to score well. I'm not going out on a limb saying that. I'm pretty sure anybody think that 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 fight will score well, but I'm not super confident on either side. And while Nagano's the heavy favorite, I wouldn't be shocked if Rosenstruck knocked him out either he's undefeated he's never been knocked out himself and he's a good kickboxer so in those type of fights where I think the underdog who's cheap on DraftKings if he wins even though it's not likely but if he wins he's probably scoring 90 100 points at a cheap price tag which means you'll need to have him so in fights like that I'll I'll mix those type of fights around my core 
but I'll have both sides and maybe a slight lean to Nagano. If you're making 10 lineups, six Nagano, four Rosenstruck, that sort of thing. So uh, I'm hoping that I I explain that well enough, but that's basically my general strategy. Um, and, And it really just depends on the card. So like one of the other questions that Pat had was, how does your strategy uh, differ on cards like this that are so big and in general my strategy itself doesn't change it's just that I'm more aware of the ownership on such big cards because a card like this, this is one of the best cards we've ever had so there's so many big name fighters which means they're all going to come with ownership Justin Gaethje um, i I'm projecting him on my website for to be the heaviest owned fighter on the slate. Vicente Luque, he's up there as well. Uh, there's just so many options that are popular, but also have an exciting fighting style to where they're going to be super popular. And why I bring that up is because on such a big card like that in a big tournament, you can't just play all the heavy favorites and all the chalk underdogs. Because even if you win... You'll out of that two hundred thousand dollar price, uh, prize to first place. You know you'll be splitting with a thousand other people or something like that. So, um, and that's if the optimal happens with all the chalk hitting. So, um, so like I said, my strategy doesn't really get different. It's just that I'm more aware of the ownership. So if I'm mixing in Gaethje, Vicente Luque, Francis Nagano, I know that I have a really chalky lineup, and I probably need at least one or two spots where I'm I'm gonna not necessarily go way off the board, but just get some of the guys that are sort of in that mid ownership range. And then just the last couple things I wanted to hit on was um in terms of strategy is uh he asked if there's ever any merit to fading the main event. So in some cases there is. Obviously if the main event and if you don't know a main event goes five rounds and a title shot goes five rounds. So the Cejudo uh, Dominic Cruz fight is five rounds, and then if we if it goes that long, and then the Tony Ferguson Justin Gaethje fight is five rounds if it goes that long. So while main event fights are still scored the same, there's two extra rounds that they get opposed to the three round fights where they can just accumulate all those points. So that's why the main event is generally a really popular fight to target. Um, but there are times where it could underperform, you know, uh, one of the ones Jacare Souza comes to mind, his main event against Jan Blakowicz, they both scored like 50, like neither of them even topped like 50 or 60 points or significant strikes and they scored really low. So there are cases where it couldn't happen. It's just, this isn't one of those cases. Justin Gacy, Tony Ferguson, uh, I think you absolutely need the winner and you might even need the loser if it goes five rounds. So, um yeah so there it really just depends on the slate but there is uh there is times where that can work like i said i just don't think ufc 249 is one of them all right and that's pretty much it in regards to the strategy portion um in in terms of the ufc 249 card he wanted me to talk about that for a little bit and give you guys the goods so basically my two Two favorite favorites in terms of DraftKings. Uh, Vicente Luque has one of the strongest inside distance lines on the slate. He's going up against Nico Price, a guy who's only ever had one professional fight not end inside the distance. And they fought uh, before back in, I believe, 2017. Vicente Luque pretty much dominated him, ended up subbing him. 
Uh, both guys are brown belts. It should be an exciting matchup, but I just heavily lean Vicente Luque because he's the more accurate striker, the more powerful striker, and he has the more durable chin. So I'm all over Vicente Luque this week. And then another guy who's not as popular as Luque is going to be Anthony Pettis. And I always get some heat when I back Anthony Pettis because he's not really a trustworthy fighter, but I think this is a really good spot for him. And because of his history, I don't think he's going to be super popular. You know, I could see him. I think I'm projecting him on fightnumbers.com to uh, come in at 25 to 30% ownership right now. Um, we'll see if that if that creeps up by tomorrow. But basically, I think, you know, it's kind of the end of the road for Donald Cerrone. Um, coming off the big Conor McGregor fight, had, had his biggest payday ever. Talked in an interview on ESPN about how he could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but he's just really slowed down. And I think that's the biggest thing for Pettis in this matchup is he's just going to be a lot faster for uh, Cowboy on the feet. So um, I actually do like Pettis quite a bit. And he's super cheap in the mid-range, 8,200. So, um, so those are the two guys that I'm really probably keying in on this week um in terms of favorites and then some of the underdogs i like is obviously justin gaethje you know i'm i'm a big justin gaethje fan but in terms of this matchup i really do like him you know tony ferguson's a great fighter himself and obviously everyone's expecting this to be a high uh, like aggressive style killer be killed type of fight but justin gaethje man I think he's going to be the toughest test ever for Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson's fought a lot of good guys. But Ferguson, the way he fights, is is really similar to Justin Gaethje. But I think it actually plays more into Justin Gaethje's benefit. Because, you know, Tony Ferguson always, you know, he's he's pretty hittable. He keeps his hands low. He has a low guard. Um, he also, he's been stung in his last few fights. Um, you know, there's been so many times where he was so close. I know he's on a 12 fight win streak, but there's been so many times during that win streak where he really should have been finished or almost was finished. Um, so, and the thing about this matchup is if Justin Gaethje has him that close and he's, he smells blood in the water, he's going to be able to finish it. So I really do like Justin Gaethje here. Um, I I like Tony Ferguson as well. Like I said, you need the winner and both of these guys, you know, Justin Gaethje lands over eight significant strikes per minute. So, and Ferguson's up over five or six. So it's going to be a high action fight, a lot of violence, super exciting one. You won't want to miss it. Uh, but in terms of underdogs that I think could break the slate, Justin Gaethje is certainly the top one. And and Jarzino Rosenstruck, who I hit on earlier, because those are the two guys where if they do win, it's likely coming by knockout or it's likely coming, it's, it's likely going to be very high scoring. So those are the underdogs I like. Um, and then uh, lastly, in terms of bets I like, I like Anthony Pettis at uh, FanDuel had it at plus 250 by knockout. I like uh, Jarzino Rosenstruck by knockout. FanDuel had that at plus 420. Uh, so I just think that line's a little bit too wide. And then in terms of uh, some favorites, obviously I like Vicente Luque inside the distance or by knockout. And I like um, Ryan Spawn by knockout as well. But if you want to get a little crazy, I, I would bet that by knockout in the second or third round just because I think the line is really wide on that and Spawn's generally been a slow starter along with Sam Alvey. So that's where I think it could be interesting to get a little bit of more value rather than just betting him inside the distance. So those are a few of the bets that I like on the card. Um, that's pretty much it for now. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. 
Um, if you did, go ahead and follow me on any social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. Uh, it's going to be at John Kelly DFS and my website, fightnumbers.com, will have all the data and research that you need for free every UFC card, including UFC 249. So go check that out and I would definitely appreciate it. And special shout out to Pat for having me on. I definitely appreciate that as well. A fellow Northeast PA guy like myself. Uh, So shout out to him. Good luck tomorrow, guys. And hopefully I'll see you in the future.